On the show today, Wikipedia reveals it has locked down certain pages in advance of the U.S. election. The privacy-focused social network True admits that its data wasn't kept so private. The Wisconsin Republican Party falls victim to an email scam. Our scam of the day promises to send you Bitcoin if you just send a little bit to them first. And today's tip gives you four ways to stop people from using your camera or microphone to spy on you. All of that and more is coming up on the November 2nd, 2020 edition of Cybersecurity Made Personal. Helping you stay safe in a connected world. This is Cybersecurity Made Personal. Hello and welcome to the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast, the safest podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Jim Herman. I have three stories on the news beat for you today. We begin with more news regarding the U.S. election. Wikipedia has announced that it has locked down some pages related to the U.S. election to only permit editing by specific people. The site generally allows anyone to edit pages, but it has implemented restrictions on editing in the past. Wikipedia will require people to have had an account for at least 30 days and have made at least 500 edits in order to be able to change items on the U.S. election page. The site hopes that this policy will prevent online vandals from making edits in order to screenshot them and post on social media. In privacy news, the social networking site True, which had staked its claim as a privacy-focused social network, suffered a severe privacy lapse that allowed anyone to access data posted on the site. According to researchers, a dashboard for the site's database was exposed to the internet without a password, permitting anyone to search the site's data and read posts. Also exposed was the fact that some of True's claims on its website were not accurate. For example, the site claimed that deleting your account would automatically delete all of your data from the server, but the researchers deleted their test account and were still able to search through data from the exposed dashboard. It's unclear exactly how long the dashboard had been left open, but some research indicated it had been available to the public since September. Moving on to Wisconsin, the state's Republican Party has revealed that it fell victim to a scam that cost it $2.3 million. Scammers were able to spoof invoices from a hat supplier to get them to route a payment to the scammers instead. The Republican Party said that no data was exposed in this attack. While party officials called this a sophisticated attack, security experts point out that this type of attack occurs regularly for businesses. One of the most notable examples occurred last year when a Lithuanian man was indicted for scamming Google and Facebook out of almost $100 million. So it's important to remember that no business is perfectly immune to these type of scams. 
And since political organizations are known for spending large amounts of cash in short periods of time, it's likely that we'll continue to see these scams targeting politics in the future. And now we move on to our scam of the day. Today's scam made its way to my spam folder a few days ago. It was most notable because of the subject line, which said, Ha Recuadado Bitcoin. Curious to see if the scam email was entirely in Spanish or if it was in English, I opened it up, and I found that the rest of the email was in English. Once again, for the privacy of my personal email address, I'll be censoring it with just email address. Hello, email address. You have multiple five calls to your account for the balance of your Bitcoin account. You didn't answer that. This is an automatic newsletter for the balance in your Bitcoin account. The first step is clear and is awaiting confirmation. Reply to your messages today. Transaction 0JMR16A Transaction date 10-12-2020 Balance received $17,153.89 Account information Wednesday, September 2nd, 2020 Today's date. Email. Email address. Balance received $17,153.89. Link. Login details. Credit your account. To earn money, you need an investment of around $250 as starting capital. To receive payment of above money in Bitcoin, you must contact for payment detail. Contact must be used right now. Upon receipt of your starting capital of $250, we will authorize payment of the money above. This type of scam is a very common one. They promise you large amounts of money if you'll just send them a little bit of money first. It's commonly known as an advanced fee scam. The problem is, they're sending you a large amount of money. If there really was going to be a fee for handling it, they could just deduct it from the money that they're going to be sending you. But of course, they don't want to do that. They want to get your money first because they don't really have any money to send you. If you get an email like this and they want you to send them money, it's almost always a scam. If you encounter a scam that you think we'd like to talk about on this show, you can send it to us at scam at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com. And now it's time for our cybersecurity pop quiz. Each episode, I'll ask you a question in the field of online security or privacy, and it's your job to figure out the right answer. Today's question is a multiple choice question. Which of these is not a recommended way to protect your online banking account? A, only use personal devices. B, don't worry about password strength since the bank requires two-factor authentication. C. Set up alerts to warn you of certain activities. Or D. Only use the bank's mobile app when on your phone. The answer will be revealed in next week's episode. But if you want to know it right away, you can go to cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash popquiz 
to find out if you're right. Plus, if you submit your guess on the website, regardless of whether you're right or wrong, you can be entered to win a $25 Amazon gift card when we conclude season two in February. But your guess to this question must be submitted before the next episode is released at 8 a.m. on Monday, November 9th. For official rules, visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash quizrules. Last week's question was, which of the following is the most likely problem that could arise when you use a public USB charging station? A. The port catches your phone on fire. B. The port makes a copy of the data on your device. C. The port makes you butt-dial your significant other. Or D. The port turns your device into an evil robot. The correct answer is B. Now I fully admit none of these are likely to occur. Most public charging stations aren't going to cause a problem with your phone. And I hope you realize C and D are not going to happen at a public charging station. And unless you're using the Galaxy Note 7, your phone probably isn't going to catch on fire either. So that leaves B. The phone makes a copy of your device. This one is actually possible, since you charge your phone with the same port that you use to connect it to your computer or other sources of data. Sometimes people will set up malicious charging stations with a device behind it that will copy the data. Fortunately, the major phone operating systems, Android and iOS, both ask for your permission before transmitting data, increasing your security. However, if you want to make sure you remain secure, try to not use public charging stations. And if you absolutely must use one, Bring your own wall adapter and use an electrical outlet instead of a USB port. Finally, if you anticipate needing to use public USB ports regularly, you can also purchase a small device that blocks data transmission. These devices are called by many different names. I've heard everything from USB data blocker to USB condom. You also have to consider how much data you actually have on your device. If you just use your phone for basic functions, phone calls, text messages, light browsing, a malicious charging port might not be a concern to you. But if you do handle sensitive data on your phone, you might want to take a few extra steps to make sure your devices stay safe. If the camera on your phone had its own mind, what would it say about you? If your first reaction is to think, oh no, then today's tip is especially important for you. We'll have more on how you can secure the cameras and microphones on your devices when we come back from this quick break. If you have a cybersecurity question you'd like to know the answer to, you don't have to wait for an episode about it. We want to hear from you, whether it's a question you have or a comment you want to leave us about the show. You can reach us by email at info at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com or you can leave a voicemail 
at 859-968-9399, option 2. We'd love to hear your feedback or your questions, and we will definitely consider them when we discuss future topics or changes to the show. Plus, if we select a topic based on your message, we'll be sure to recognize you in that episode. Once again, that's info at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com or 859-968-9399, option 2. Late last year, an issue was revealed in Apple's walkie-talkie audio chat functionality that permitted anyone to use the microphone to listen in on other users without their consent. Apple was quick to disable that functionality until the issue could be fixed, and it stated that it was not aware of anyone actually exploiting that problem. Hearing stories like this may concern many people. Could the camera or microphone on your phone, your tablet, or your laptop be used to spy on you? The uncomfortable truth is that while it's rare, it is possible. Some apps exist solely for the purpose of spying on you, though they often attempt to hide that through a useful feature. Other apps may have a legitimate reason to use your camera or microphone, but they can be hijacked through vulnerabilities that were accidentally left in the software. So it's up to you to protect your camera and microphone from those who might wish to spy on you. Here are four steps that you can take to reduce the probability of spying. First, try to limit the number of apps that you use. If you frequently use these video or audio chat apps, you've probably used a number of different ones. There's Zoom, WebEx, Microsoft Teams, Skype, Google Hangouts, and many, many more. Each app comes with its own unique set of features and dedicated users. But each app can also introduce the possibility of new vulnerabilities. That's why it's always a good idea to limit the number of video chat apps you install on your device. Only install them when they're used frequently. Most of these sites will also allow you to sign in through your web browser and access most of the features that way. That may be a better option if you only use an app occasionally. This advice also applies on a laptop or a desktop that's using a webcam. Instead of downloading a multitude of different applications, just install the one or two that you use the most and use your browser to access the rest. Second, limit the permissions apps have on your device. Don't give an app permissions to access your camera or your microphone unless they really need it. I've mentioned on the show before that I don't use the calling features of Facebook Messenger. So even though Messenger asks for access to my camera and microphone, I don't grant it those permissions. If you have an app that you use frequently, then grant it permissions permanently. But if you just have maybe one family member that wants to use a particular chat app and you don't use that to communicate with anyone else, then you might want to consider restricting those permissions until you open the app. 
That way, the app should ask for permission to use the camera or microphone when you open it, and you can grant it one-time permission. For an app that you rarely use, this is a good way to make sure any problems in the app can't allow spying. Third, make sure you regularly check for updates to your software. When issues are found, they're fixed through these updates. I've mentioned this so many times on the show because it is such an important part of protecting your security in so many areas. If you don't update your devices, you will become more and more vulnerable over time. However, you should also make sure that you remove apps that you no longer need. Maybe you kept Skype around for that one person, but then they finally started using Google Hangouts. Don't let the Skype app sit around on your phone or computer unused. If you don't open it, you probably won't know when it receives an important security update. If you don't need an app anymore, it's best to get it off of your device. You can always install it again without too much trouble if you realize you're going to need it later. And finally, if you really want to make sure that no one can see you, cover up your camera. This method was implemented by Mark Zuckerberg in a picture that became more famous for the piece of tape covering his camera than for Zuckerberg himself. However, it's something that has become so common that my most recent laptop has a built-in privacy guard for the camera. Move it to the left and the camera's covered. Move it to the right and the camera's free to use. If your device doesn't have something built in and you don't like the look of tape, you could also get the same effect using a package of stickers or a post-it note. But unfortunately, tape or other types of covers aren't going to work for your microphone. You could try using a very small piece of foam, but there's probably no way to make that look good, and it's still probably going to let some sound through. For your microphone, making sure that you've limited the permissions is going to do a much better job than trying to cover it up. Fortunately, both Google and Apple have taken steps that greatly reduce the ability of apps to spy on you without your knowledge. And the features are still getting better. In iOS 14, Apple released some new features that let you know if an app is conducting certain activities in the background. But by limiting the number of apps that you use, blocking permissions for apps that you use infrequently, keeping your software up to date, and covering up the camera when you're not using it, you can reduce the chances that someone will be able to use your own device to spy on you. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening, and come back again next Monday, where we will discuss the topic, Eight Things you should never post online. So until next time, stay safe. Thanks again for joining us for the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast. Check out the show notes page linked in the description for links to the articles mentioned, more information about today's tip, and a transcription of this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would consider visiting our welcome page at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com welcome. There, you can find more information about the show and links to some of our most popular episodes. Cybersecurity Made Personal is provided for educational purposes only. 
Don't take any action on your computer unless you fully understand what you are doing and the possible consequences. Visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash disclaimer for more information. Cybersecurity Made Personal is a production of Personal Cybersecurity, LLC. I'm Jim Herman. Thanks for listening and stay safe.